Games rated E to M. Welcome to Nintendo Power Podcast. This episode, we reveal your fan favorite Nintendo Switch games of 2022. My name is Chris, and this time I'm joined by two members of the social media team at Nintendo of America. Anthony, welcome back, Anthony. Good to be back. Good to have you. And Brad, welcome aboard, Brad. Thanks, Chris, for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. And I'm super excited to have both of you here for this special year-end episode because, as regular listeners will know, uh, for our final show each year, we take a look back at some of the year's best Nintendo Switch games. And we do this by asking Nintendo fans to vote for some of their favorites online. So we're going to spend the whole episode revealing the fans' top picks and taking, uh, talking a little bit about our favorites, too. And, uh, of course, we're doing this just for fun. Uh, there aren't any actual awards to give out, and we pick the nominees for each category based mostly on our own favorite games here on the Nintendo Power Podcast team. So there are sure to be many more deserving titles that we didn't include. Um, but all the nominated games, and especially the ones that the fans chose as their favorites, are really fun games that received very positive reviews this year and are well worth checking out. And I'd like to start by saying a very big thanks to everyone who took the time to play along with us and vote for their favorite games this year. We couldn't have done this without the fans, and they gave us another great response this year. Um, now, I'm the only one who knows how the voting went, and Brad and Anthony, I've kept you totally in the dark. So are you ready to find out which games came out on top? Oh, yeah. The anticipation's yeah. killing me here. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, let's get started. And um, we have 10 categories, and the first one is Merry Multiplayer. Uh, the nominated games here were Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, Nintendo Switch Sports, Splatoon 3, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. And the fans picked... Splatoon 3. Nice. nice. Probably not a uh, huge surprise there, but a very deserving win. Yeah. I, uh, I kind of, I guessed that was, was going to be my guess, Splatoon 3. So I think that's a, that's a great pick. Yeah, if you think about uh, multiplayer games this year for Nintendo Switch, that's got to pop into your head as one of the first ones. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's definitely one I would have uh, chosen as well, too. Um, as as someone who's putting probably over 300 plus hours into the, the first Splatoon, um, I, I'm definitely starting to uh, gain that in Splatoon uh, 3. So uh, definitely a lot of online play. That's awesome. You know what's funny is is obviously Splatoon 3 and the Splatoon series are primarily known as being multiplayer games, but they have some really great um, single-player modes as well. And and uh, ironically for me, I, I've played a, um, a good bit of multiplayer in Splatoon 3, um, but I actually played more of the single-player. I like 100%ed all of those missions. So it's funny. I, I, I uh, It's not that I have to remember that Splatoon 3 is a multiplayer game, but my memories of it for this year were, were mostly of single-player, strangely enough. Um, yeah. I did also play a lot of Nintendo Switch Sports multiplayer. I probably spent the most time actually um, playing online with people with that game this year, especially playing sports like volleyball and bowling and tennis were my three go-tos. And um, so for me all around, it was just a pretty great year playing uh, games online with Nintendo Switch. Yeah, well, you know, they they kind of, they each have, you know, unique multiplayer experiences, right? Like Splatoon 3, um, like you said, single player is is great. And a lot of games... 
you kind of find that you know the single player sometimes that are that have heavy multiplayer single player operates as you know some a little bit of a tutorial at first obviously there's a narrative there but um it's a good way to sort of learn the ins and outs of the game and splatoon does that well but also it just is a great standalone piece of the game so um that's a great pick and yeah nintendo switch sports that's just the one where you know you can have fun with anybody friends family whatever and it's it's kind of a different experience every time but uh yeah, there's always like that fun sort of chaos, you know, that ensues with whatever sport you're playing. Absolutely, exactly. That's exactly well put. Fun chaos. Yeah, and, and to to your point, Anthony, um, you know, Splatoon three really evolved on the single player, you know, portion of the game from you know Splatoon two, where um, it, it, the the story necessarily, you know, kind of, you know gave a nice climax to what the other two games were, you know, providing, but also in a level of difficulty as well, too. Like, the further you got in the single player, you know, it really, you know, stand out on its own versus just, like, a tutorial for the multiplayer section. Definitely. All right, well, moving on, the next category is Intense Action. And the nominated games here were Bayonetta 3, Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, Splatoon 3, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. And the fans picked Splatoon 3 once again. <laughs> there we go. It's a Splatoon 3 sweep apparently so far. Splatoon getting some yeah. love. Yeah, you know, I um I was going to say too before, like one of the things I love the most, and I don't know about you guys, but just that like there are so many different options as far as how you want to play the game. And... You know, every multiplayer game sort of has its meta, right, where everybody uses a, a specific weapon that, that, you know, appears to be the best or it gives you the, the the best advantage. And Splatoon, I feel like there's just so many different ways you can approach it um, depending on how, you know, you're playing with... It's a team game, obviously, so how you play with the rest of your team. Um, and I'm also all about uh, just my fashion and how I look in the games. <laughs> and, uh, I can really Splatoon take advantage of that in Splatoon. Yeah, the style is is of utmost importance. <laughs> the intense yeah. style. That's the next category, you know, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, intense style. And, you know, when you look at this list of nominated games, obviously Bayonetta 3 and certainly Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, these are games that people know uh, as, as great action games, and and, um, and then Splatoon 3 obviously was the, the top pick from the fans this time. I want to give a special shout-out, though, to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. You know, obviously people know who the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are, and and uh, they've had a lot of great games in the past, but I really enjoyed uh, this game. It was like a return to the old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle arcade games, you know, that I kind of grew up with back in the day, um, but with some kind of modern flourishes. And, you know, this was a great game that you could play with a lot of friends locally or online. And uh, the action in that game got pretty intense as well. So, you know, I don't think you can go wrong with any of these nominees for sure. Yeah. You know, you were saying you're kind of speaking to the nostalgic element of it. And that's definitely what got me uh, for, for that game. Just I felt like I needed some some quarters on hand to uh, to really get into it. <laughs> <laughs> I know it definitely felt like one of the old quarter munchers for sure. Yeah, I, I would also if if uh, I want to give a shout out to Bayonetta three for for intense action as well, too. That's the one I, I would have uh, chosen for this category since. As soon as I started playing that game until, you know, midway through is where I kind of had to take a break. It's just nonstop action. Like, you know, just the the direction that, you know, they were going with this game of, you know, uh, evolving the action, you know, uh, adventure, you know, games out there. I felt like this was watching like a movie, you know, almost the amount of action was in it. So uh, definitely would have been my choice for this category. 
Yeah, and Anthony, back to your love of style, very stylish action in mm-hmm. Bayonetta 3. So oh, yes. It's a lot of fun to play and a lot of fun, I think, just to watch, you know, kind of how everything goes down. Definitely. All right, moving on to the next category, which is spiffy indie. Some uh, great, great uh, indie titles this year for Nintendo Switch, and these are just a sampling of them. Um, the nominees were first Infernax, then Shovel Knight Dig, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge once again, and Tunic. And the fans picked... Tunic. Nice. Pretty great game. Have either of you played it very much? Yeah. Um, that was going to be my pick, too, for this category. Um, and honestly, one of my favorite games of the year. Um, it's just It does so many things um, in such a refreshing way, but... You know, it kind of harkens back to some of the, you know, kind of the the old school Legend of Zelda style of gameplay, um, clearly very inspired. And, uh, yeah, it does things refreshing while keeping it nostalgic. Um, it, the game, the visuals of the game are obviously just, uh, you know, really pretty and, and unique. And, um, yeah, I was I was sold from the moment, you know, I started playing the game. But, um yeah, Brad, Brad, I know you and I have talked about this this game a little bit. Oh, oh, for sure. And just the aesthetic to the game, you know, the the uh, the manual inside of it and how that's incorporated into the gameplay and the story and just really hoping that there's a physical, um, you know, manual at some point that we can get our hands on because that's such a, a callback to the classic games. Um, this is a, a category that's as near and dear to, to my heart. I think <laughs> nowadays I, I play more indie games than, than anything. And, you know, everything that was in this category is such a great game. Um, and then so many games that came out this past year, um, is I can just go on and on about, but Tunic is definitely one that stood out to, to, to me of, um, not only one of you know my favorite indie games, but just games overall uh, this past year and you know, past couple of years actually. To you know, to be honest, uh, with the indie category, and you just you know can't go wrong with an adorable you know fox uh, going around. So uh, definitely well worth it. Definitely, you know, this was a game that you know, Anthony. I think we talked about this game probably on a previous episode that I'd heard so many great things about, but um, hadn't played it until just recently. And I finally got started with it, and definitely everything I'd heard, you know, was true. It it does kind of harken back and give you a little bit of that old nostalgic feeling you got from something like The Legend of Zelda, um, you know, Link to the Past on Super NES, but also with some kind of, uh, you know, bits from more modern games, like some of the Souls games where, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's very challenging, and once you you uh, lose a life, you kind of have to trek back to where you, you fell to pick up your stuff or pick up some of your loot. And... Um, it's just really fun, and it is the least handholdy game I think I've played all year. Um, you know, like you said, Brad, there's like pages of a manual scattered in the game, but until you find those, you're kind of just really kind of discovering everything there is to, to, to learn about the game, you know, on your own, which is a lot of fun. And, you know, again, another Legend of Zelda comparison, it reminds me of when I played Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild for the first time, and you're really kind of learning the rules of, of the game as you went along. So it's a great sense of a discovery there, I think. But I do also want to mention, um, Infernax was a personal favorite of mine this year. Um, kind of an old school pixel graphics, uh, Metroid type game, but really felt like a you know a game like Castlevania II back on the NES. Um, very horror themed, um, some pixelated gore, so not not for the faint <laughs> of heart. 
but um, it has uh, a lot of different um, spots in the game where you can choose to do evil or good. And that kind of um, gives you lots of different endings and unlockable new characters. I ended up playing through this game like five times just to see oh, wow. as much of it as I could. Wow. And some of the characters are really great. They like the characters have completely different, you know, upgrade paths and um, and weapons and, and ways that you play. So, you know, it's almost like playing a new game every time you boot it up. So, big uh, recommendation there from me for Infernax. Yeah, it's a it's a great time for indie games. So much out there to uh, to try. Absolutely. All right, well, moving on to the next category, the fourth out of our 10, which is great graphics. And the nominated games were Cuphead, the Delicious Last Course DLC, Mario Plus Rabbid Sparks of Hope, Triangle Strategy, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. And the fans picked Xenoblade Chronicles 3, which is a very pretty game. Mm-hmm. That's very pretty, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's one of those games where you kind of just get... Uh, you just kind of get lost in it a little bit, you know. You spend a lot of time um, in in the world of that game, and um, obviously, you know, it is a, a little bit of a lengthy game, but uh, you know, it kind of just flies by, and yeah, it's so pretty. It's it kind of switches up, um, you know, that aesthetic a little bit from Xenoblade Chronicles Two, um, but yeah, I I'm all about that, um, and then uh, yeah, you know, I was going to give Cuphead a shout out too, just as far as the games on that list, because, um, you know, never, never gets old watching that game and just the animation is so great and smooth. It's like, you know, you're watching a, a classic like cartoon show, you know, from your childhood. So um, love that game so much and the visuals in it as well. Definitely, definitely. You know, Cuphead, the delicious last course was uh, uh, very close in voting. It came in at a very close number two. And um, but you know one of the great things, Brad, I think about all these nominated games is it's such a wide variety of visual styles. I mean, Cuphead is that old school two D animation look. Mario Plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope, Hope has a great pastel-y kind of three D look. Triangle Strategy is that mix of like mm-hmm. you know old mm-hmm. school and uh, and kind of new school. And then Xenoblade Chronicles Three is just this epic, vast you know beautiful world. Yeah, I was gonna you know give a shout out to Triangle, Triangle Strategy there because that HD 2D graphics, you know, uh, that uh, Square Enix has been, you know, incorporated into some of these, these these classic looking and feeling games is just amazing. Like, you know, I grew up with a lot of these old, you know, 2D, you know, sprite games and just to see that aesthetic still going strong, but, you know, the devs evolve on, you know, the way that looks and feels is just incredible. Yeah, it almost it has that macro lens look we got from like Octopath Traveler, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like you're you're kind of almost like they're a little miniature model on a on a table yeah. in front of you that you're leaning down to look at. It's really cool. All right, well, moving on to uh, category number five, super soundtrack, and the nominated games here are Mario Plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope, Splatoon Three, Tunic, and Xenoblade Chronicles Three, and the fans picked. <laughs> Splatoon 3, which has a great soundtrack for sure. Oh, yeah. You can't go wrong with, with Splatoon and, and the, the soundtrack and, you know, all the bands within, you know, the soundtrack universe or the, the Splatoon universe is is wonderful. I, I sometimes just love, you know, sitting in the in the lobby or in the game and, you know, listening to the, the music play in the background. Yeah, that's uh, – I, I can resonate with that. I mean, I know we talk, we've talked about Splatoon 3 a lot, but – 
it just does so many things so well. Um, and and so differently, you know, than a lot of the other games on the list. So love that. Um, I also wanted to, to mention, you know, Mario and Rabbit Sparks of Hope. Like, that's just a game where, you know, you, you see it, you know, maybe at a glimpse, maybe you're playing it, you know, for a little while, and you can't help but smile. It just, it just you know, gives so many positive vibes. And look, the soundtrack, just the gameplay um, is so awesome. So... Um, that's that's a hard recommend for me too. Yeah, you know, every one of these, um, you know, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is the game that I played this year where it, it just came to me as I was playing it. Like, I bet this is, you know, like a, a potential soundtrack, you know, of the year kind of contender because it's just, you know, all the Xenoblade games have such great scores, but they have such epic kind of like orchestral scores to them um, that really just kind of helps bring the world to life even more. And then, of course, Splatoon 3, like you were saying, Anthony, is um, it, it, the music in that game really feels like it's part of the, the world, right? Like the style and, and everything really ties into it. So um, to the point where you're having concerts, right, when you're having Splatfests yeah. and, and the music's being performed in, in the streets of the town. So it is, uh, it is not just a great score, but the way it integrates with the rest of the game and really elevates the whole thing is, is I think, really core to what the series is, has been from the beginning. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it feels like the music in that game is, you know, it, it is it is the game in a lot of senses, right? Like it's, you know, whereas, you know, a lot of times um, you know, you don't you don't think of it that way, but yeah, this game is what it is because of because of that and uh yeah, it's it's so iconic. So, love it. Yeah, and as much as I, you know, love Splatoon 3's, you know, soundtrack and the music in it, I, I do want to give a shout out to, to Tunic as well too. Um, just the atmospheric soundtrack within that game is 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 beautiful. It has this kind of lo-fi vibe to it, where you're, you know, exploring the world. It just really immerses you, puts you into, you know, the the world itself in, in, in Tunic. So definitely want to give a shout out to to that. Yeah, that's exactly right. The game definitely has a certain kind of vibe to it that uh that the music really plays a big role in for sure all right that brings us to category six which is so relaxing a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of uh, comfortable and cozy games here um starting with beacon pines and then baron breakfast disney dreamlight valley and dwarf romantic and the fans picked baron breakfast you know hank the bear there you go yeah these are <laughs> These are all great games. Um, uh, Bear and Breakfast, I know, was a highly anticipated one, you know, for the Nintendo Switch, and um, and it finally came out. It um, was just nice to relax and, and chill with on the couch, and um, you know, build out these these bed and breakfasts. Um, and uh, Beacon Pines also. That that's another one that's I don't know if it was really talked about a lot throughout the year, but it's a a really good uh, sleeper uh, hit where it's a unique story, you know, driven game where you can kind of choose the outcome uh, of of how the story progresses and the artwork in that is is, is also beautiful. Definitely, and and you know I want to say Disney Dreamlight Valley was another one of those games that seemed to break out and find a pretty big audience. My sister, who isn't the biggest gamer, but will really get pulled into certain games like Animal Crossing, uh, really fell in love with this one. And um, and uh, that was a lot of our conversation uh, related to games this year was about that game. Yeah, I, um, you know, when you said the title of this category, I feel like we needed some, like, we need like some music behind that, you know, like when you say <laughs> it's got a certain vibe. But uh, yeah, Bear, I was, I had predicted 
you know, Baron Breakfast would probably be the winner here. Um, and, you know, admittedly, I haven't gotten a ton of time with the games in this category, but um, I do know Baron Breakfast is one that was highly anticipated, and I've kind of seen bits and pieces of it, and um, it's on my list. So uh, I- I'm glad to hear that uh, everybody's loving it. Yeah, I think I'm going to need to explore more of these kinds of games over the holiday break when it's cold outside and I just want something to relax with. Yep. Yeah, these are all great games for for just that. But for me, my personal uh, choice uh, out of this list is Dorf Romantic. Um, mm. That, to, to me, when you look at, you know, so relaxing is, you know, the game that I'm going to time and time again, or if I just want to relax in bed, you know, especially before I go to, to go to bed, have something relaxing to get me into, you know, the mood before I fall asleep is, is just that it's beautiful game. Um, you know, Dorf Romantic, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but, um, it is relaxing. And so when I first saw that category and that list go out, I was like, yep, I instantly had to choose Dorf Romantic for, for my choice of this. Yeah, I think that's definitely a trait of the kinds of games that that fit into this category are the ones that it's just easy to to just, you know, let let time fly by while you're sitting there just kind of relaxing, de-stressing and, and just having fun. Moving on next, we have uh, number seven category here. What a story. And uh, the nominated games here um, had some great stories, starting with 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim and then Live Alive, Persona 5 Royal and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. And the fans picked Xenoblade Chronicles 3. <laughs> nice. That is uh, that, that was kind of what I predicted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, talk about an epic story, right? Yeah. It, it, I mean, definitely an epic story. Um, and the, the, the best part is that you can, you can play the game without having played uh, the previous games in the series. Um, that's probably a pretty you know hefty task for anybody who hasn't played Xenoblade Chronicles before. So... Um, can definitely get in there and uh, and play right away. Yeah, it really is. We talked about this on the podcast a few episodes ago, but it really is a game where you don't need any prior knowledge of the of the series. Of course, if you do, you'll get little winks and nods from the game here and there um, that kind of deepen the experience for you even more. But um, I don't think it's the kind of thing where you'd ever be confused because you hadn't played a previous game. And um, and I think you know this series is known for having compelling stories, but this one really stood out to me. And I know some other people here at Nintendo. Um, as being one of the most compelling stories and, and compelling um, cast of characters that the series has had so far. And that's one of the things that really kept pushing me through the game is I really just wanted to know what was going to happen next and, you know, were these characters going to be okay? And and there's so many, each one of them has a great little story going on their own story in addition to the, to the main quest um, that it just kept me wanting to play even more. Yeah, and that's what really, you know, makes a great story, right, is you know, that bond between you and these these characters and, and wanting to know what happens to them. And, you know, you're just so invested into it, which, you know, just goes to show that, you know, this was one of the, you know, not only nominated, but the, the, the winning uh, game for this category is just because of, you know, that character development uh, in the overall story. Yeah. And I'll shout out Live Alive, too, because that was uh, a game that, you know, I, I never played any of the, the original game. Um and you know to see it uh, come out this year, and and people get a chance to check that out, and and you know if folks don't know the game is kind of comprised of, of multiple different stories um, and different characters that you get to play, and and you know they intersect at some point, but um, 
it's it's kind of one of those ones where if you like sort of a little bit more of a a layered story with tons of different um, diverse experiences, you know, you're not sort of following one type of uh, gameplay the whole time. Um, that's it's a good good one to check out. Yeah, definitely. And that's that's still unfortunately a game I need to get to. Maybe that'll be one of my holiday break games. But uh, that's one of the things that's got me excited about it. Is in addition to like we were talking about with um, uh, Triangle Strategy earlier or uh, Octopath Traveler, you know, um, it has that same kind of like diorama, old school meets new school kind of yeah. look to it that I love. But then in addition to that, it's like all these different individual stories that's being told in different time periods. So I really feel like I'm going to get a lot of different types of cool stories in that one. And then, you know, Persona 5 Royal, of course, that series is known for oh, having yeah. great compelling characters and story. That was actually second in the voting, that game. And then um, I've heard a lot of great things about 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim as well. So a um, lot of great, uh, you know, epic stories to really dive into this year on Nintendo Switch. Yeah, Persona 5 Royal is also one where I kind of think of, um, uh, you know, the visual category because it, it's so stylish, mm-hmm. um, the, you know, just mm-hmm. from the menus down to the combat, I mean, down to just, you know, walking around like, um, you know, you can't help but look at every every little thing and the cutscenes are amazing. So, yeah, lots of really good stuff in that game. The soundtrack to that game too. Okay, yes. can we go back and just add it to a couple other categories? No. The soundtrack—that's a good point. I actually I listen to that soundtrack on a yeah. regular basis. Nice. Yeah, that's just a great game overall. All right, moving on next to category number eight: tough challenge. And the nominated games were Cuphead, The Delicious Last Course, Infernax, Metroid Dread, specifically the new Dread mode that was added to the game this year, and Tunic. And the fans picked Metroid Dread Dread Mode. Nice. That is definitely a tough challenge. And I'm not even going to humble brag. I'm just going to flat out brag <laughs> that I actually completed Dread Mode. Subtle flex. <laughs> not so subtle. I'm not usually great at challenging hard modes, but I love this game so much I wanted to do it. And it actually wasn't that bad because, you know, it's not like you get sent all the way back to the beginning of the game if, if you lose a life. But, you know, you, you can kind of... You know, run past enemies if you have to. The bosses are what's tough because yeah. you have mm-hmm. to beat each boss fight without taking a hit. And and uh, I'm, I will admit that um, I spent hours and hours on a lot of the bosses, especially the last one. But um, it was a great kind of final run through for me for that game, at least for the time being, because I, I played through it when it first came out several times because I just love the, the flow and the feel of that game. But obviously, Infernax is also a very challenging game. Um, and Cuphead, uh, the delicious last course. Well, the, even the base cup, base Cuphead game, people know it's kind of famous for being a very challenging game. And then Tunic, like we said before, is surprisingly um, challenging mm-hmm. when you start out thinking, you know, look how cute this game is, and then it kind of kicks your butt a little bit. Right? Yeah. So I kind of picked up Tunic with that mindset, and then <laughs> quickly learned that uh, nope, this is uh, this is a tough challenge right here. You know. I, I was fortunate enough to, to beat Tunic, but uh, uh, this is not a humble brag uh, like, like you, Chris. I had to you know, turn on some settings uh, to get me through uh, the Tunic to make things a little bit easier for me because I just really wanted to enjoy uh, the, the story and the, the atmosphere and um, not really have to you know, uh, challenge myself to, to get through it. So I definitely appreciate that there's that uh, functionality and that settings in the game to, to do that. Uh, but it's probably one of the, the toughest games that I've, I've ever played. And, and that's a great point and something that, that a lot of these games, um, these really challenging games, do very well is, 
is they offer you options, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously you don't have to play Dread mode. If you're playing Metroid Dread, you can play on uh, varying difficulties. Um, even Cuphead, uh, the Delicious Last Course and the base game, um, you know, there are different uh, items you can equip or you can play with a second player. Um, you know, different things you can do. You can also, with the Delicious Last Course DLC, select a new playable character that has some abilities that make the, makes the game a little bit easier for newer players. So, um, you know, there's different ways in a lot of these games, um, whether they have, um, you know, different uh, straight-up difficulty settings or not, different things you can do to kind of adjust the difficulty maybe to the level. And then, you know, you kind of, as you build up your skills, you maybe want to challenge challenge some of the trickier parts or different, different trickier difficulty modes. So I think a lot of these games are very good about um, being accessible while still offering that that top-level challenge for people that want it. Yeah, and there's different types of challenges too, right? Like... Metroid Dread's a game where, um, you know, maybe, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of combat and that and, you know, fighting the bosses in Dread mode is difficult for you. But also, um, there's a lot of like sort of puzzles in there, right? And you have to maybe backtrack a little bit or figure out, you know, a certain thing to hit on the map. Um, and, and Cuphead is, is a lot more of like, you know, just difficulty in terms of like uh, the enemies you fight and like dodging projectiles and stuff like that. So, you know, I like that each one's a little bit different. Um, but uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of a sucker for for that that challenge, and uh, I, I'd like to say I succeed more often than not, but <laughs> I don't know if that's the case. Well, you know, the surprising thing for me with a lot of these types of games is I'm usually I usually just pick normal difficulty, and I'm not looking to make a game super challenging. But if a game becomes challenging and I'm really enjoying it, or in a rare case for me, like I want to try to play something like Metroid Dread Dread mode, I'm always surprised by. Um, as long as you're you're patient and you're you um, just go into it knowing that you're gonna you know uh, uh, have to kind of build up your skills and build up your kind of your knowledge of how to play the game, um, uh, I'm always surprised at how great games like this you'll get good and you'll you'll do things that maybe you didn't think you'd be able to do eventually, and it's always so much more rewarding when you kind of conquer those mountains and um, and I think you know the 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 highs you the highs are really high in games like this where that feeling of satisfaction. So that's why I think, um, you know, challenging games are, are, are great as long as, you know, you have fun along the way. Yeah, maybe follow it up with one of the games in the couple categories that go, the relaxing games, so you can do the, the challenging one <laughs> yeah, and the yeah. relax, a little bear and breakfast after. Exactly, <laughs> sprinkle it in there. Yeah. I like that. All right, the next to last category is Rad Revival, and the nominated games were Capcom Fighting Collection, Klonoa Fantasy Reverie Series, Sonic Origins, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Cowabunga Collection. And the fans picked... Klonoa Fantasy Reverie Series. Nice. Maybe a little bit nice. of a dark horse pick, but I think yeah. a lot of fans out there, a lot of longtime game players, know that the Klonoa series is, is a really great platforming series. Yeah, I thought... Um, I thought, yeah, I, I kind of thought people would pick uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but um, that's good to hear that there's, like, you know, a little bit of a dark horse win there, and... Um, that's one for me that I haven't tried yet. So yeah, a little bit more motivation for myself. Yeah, this is an older uh, IP that you know, I remember, and I think uh, we announced during a Nintendo Direct earlier this year, and it was definitely one of the standout uh, titles that a lot of people were talking about. Um, and so I haven't actually had a chance to go back and, and play, you know, this particular one. Um, but looking forward to it because I do remember playing those games back in the day, and I just really loved the the characters. 
Yeah, I love the flow of them. Even though they have 3D graphics and the camera kind of moves around you at times, it's still very much a side-scrolling kind of um, action platforming game. And just the mechanic of like grabbing an enemy and kind of flipping them, you know, kind of tossing them around and how that plays into some action kind of base puzzles, it's always just really fun and satisfying. Um, my personal pick, uh, even though I really enjoyed Clone Wars Fantasy Reverie series, uh, probably would have been Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Cowabunga collection, because it's pure nostalgia. I mean, it's all those old, you know, 8-bit uh, and 16-bit and, and arcade Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles games, like the original arcade game, and then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the NES, which is infamously difficult, but somehow yeah. as a kid, I had that extra kid power playing the NES <laughs> and managed to beat it. So um, so I love going back and, and, and revisiting those, and it's just a, a huge volume of games, too. And then, um, of course, Capcom Fighting Collection. I mean, th those are some true classics in the genre. And then um, Sonic Origins actually was the um, the a close runner-up in this category. Obviously, uh, the appeal and the, the to the Sonic fans and the the, the Sonic faithful is always going to be there. And um, you know, when you look back at those classic sixteen-bit um, and uh, Sonic CD Sonic games, um, that's just that that was Sonic in his prime. I think for a lot of fans, so some great stuff there too. Yeah. Yeah, these are all great uh, uh, collections here. And, you know, to like you, Chris, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the, the Cowabunga collection is my, my personal choice and pick after this one. You know, I remember as, as a kid going into the arcades with a, a fistful of quarters and just, you know, spending the afternoon. Um, that's really kind of what really got me into gaming as a whole is, is growing up in the arcades and, and playing some of these classic, um, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle uh, arcade games. Um, and so this definitely is, holds a place near and dear to, to, to me, uh, this collection. For sure. And those arcade games, too, were great and still are great to play with friends on the couch. And that brings us to our 10th and final category, Players Game of the Year. And as usual, for this one category, we doubled the, the number of nominees. And uh, the nominees were Bayonetta 3, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, Mario Plus Rabbid Sparks of Hope, Pokemon Legends Arceus, Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet, Splatoon 3, Tunic, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. It's a lot of good stuff there. Yes. Um, and I'm going to ask, Anthony, I'm going to put you and Brad on the spot here to begin with. What would you have picked or what do you think may, the fans might have picked? Which one jumps out to you maybe the most in this list of, of big games? Yeah, um, let's see. So if I'm thinking about what the fans might have picked... Um... You know, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 kind of stands out to me as, as a big one. I just think that, um, you know, for one, uh, fans of the of the series um, have really sort of, um, you know, been vocal about what they love about this game. Uh, you know, the music, the visuals, we talked about all that already, and I think it all just comes together for just an awesome experience for people who haven't played the game before and, and people who are, have been waiting for it. So... That's one, and um, you know, I'd say Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet. Like, I, I really love you know just sort of how those games uh, approached the Pokemon video game series, and and did some new things, and just it, the the world is just so much bigger than ever before, and the so much to do, and um, you know, if if you've grown up playing Pokemon games like me, it's kind of the Pokemon game you always wished for when you were a kid. It's it's right there, so. Two for me that sound obviously these are all amazing games. It's really hard to pick, but I just wanted to I guess mention those two. 
Yeah, there's a lot of great games that came out uh, this past year. Um, but I think I'm going to have to uh, piggyback off of it. Anthony for Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is probably the player's game of the year choice, um, if I had to guess, uh, out of this list. For my personal pick, though, would be Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Uh, that was just an amazing journey with you know Kirby and um, seeing him in some of those new environments and then taking a new direction on the gameplay uh, for that franchise was was just, was just so fun to to be a part of. Um, so that would be my personal choice. Tell you what, those great comments, great picks. It was an incredibly tight race um, between many of these these titles, very close voting throughout. And the fans picked... Xenoblade Chronicles 3. There it is. You guys really have your finger on the pulse there. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, again, it just, you know, kind of as we talked about it, there's some of the other categories. It all it all makes sense um, that, you know, this is this is the fans pick. But um, again, you know, all all really, really good games. Um, I feel like I could say something about each of these. Yeah, I think if any one of these had won, I wouldn't have been very surprised. Uh, I think they're all very deserving. And I think, um, you know, it's one of those things where if we cast the polls, uh, you know, in a different week, maybe we get a different result every single week we do it because you really can go back and forth with a lot of these. I'd be really hard pressed to pick my own favorite. Um, but Xenoblade Chronicles 3 probably would have been right there in my final decision making. Um, can't really debate with the fans at all. Really, really enjoy that game. And uh in addition to just being a very fun game to play, it just has some very memorable characters that'll stick with me for a long time. Yeah, you know, I'll say one other thing about it too is that um, this is the third game in the series, and it, and I think a lot of people know that you know this sort of like wraps that trilogy up in in a lot of ways. And I don't know that um, there's too many other games on the list where you know it's sort of like a, a closing of of what's been a, a very sort of um, epic and, and a little bit of a longer story. So. Um, that, I feel like that adds a little bit of an extra layer to it of like, yeah, it's it's sort of a, a nice wrap to what's been just a really great story. Yeah, anytime you can tell a great epic story and really have a very, very satisfying conclusion that, that kind of sends you home happy, then, then uh, you know, that's going to really resonate with you for a long time. Yeah. Well, great. That's it for the Nintendo Switch fan favorite games of 2022. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm already looking forward to some really cool Nintendo Switch games that are coming early next year, like... Fire Emblem Engage in January, Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe in February, Bayonetta Origins, um, Syriza and the Lost Demon in March, and a little game called The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom <laughs> in May. And then you got Pac-Man 4, uh, which releases sometime next year, and you know who knows what else. So, you know, I think the voting next year might be pretty tough, <laughs> don't you think? <laughs> oh yeah, 2023 is shaping up to be a good year. Yeah, and and you know we we talked a lot about indie games um, that have come out this year. I feel like, you know, we're in for something even, you know, bigger and, and better next year. I mean, yeah, as, as, you know, different types of games come out, new approaches to different game styles. Um, feels like it's the indie area, is these, you know, this year, the past couple of years has always been something to really keep an eye on. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what games we get next year. Definitely. There's definitely a few indie games that I've had my own for a while, and I really hope um, come out next year. I'm not sure about the release date on some of them, but definitely a lot to look out for and a lot to get excited about. Well, Brad and Anthony, thanks for coming on the show, and I hope you have a very happy holiday. 
You too. Had a ton of fun. Yeah. Thanks for having us, Chris. Thanks. All right. See you next time. That's it for the fifth year of Nintendo Power Podcast. If you have any comments or questions you'd like us to consider answering on the show, you can email us at nintendopowerpodcast at noa.nintendo.com. Also, we always appreciate it if you can leave a review. And be sure to subscribe so you get new episodes as soon as they're ready. Thanks for listening, and keep playing with power all next year. 